Welcome to Wrestling with God Show, the podcast where we grapple with big questions about faith, religion, and life. I'm Irish McMahon, and as usual, I'm here with our wrestling coach, my friend and Irish Catholic priest, Father Len McMillan. Hey, Father Len. Hey, Irish. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. And uh, before we get into today's episode, I have a special announcement here about the success of the Wrestling With God show and our plans for next year and beyond. Uh, First, uh, I'd like to thank all of our listeners. The podcast has now been downloaded over 38,000 times. (laughs) And I'm I'm amazed and humbled and inspired by the response to the Wrestling with God show, and I think Father Len is too, because it it all began as a little part time passion project for Father Len and me. We were uh, alarmed. We were kind of sitting around talking and and talking about being alarmed about the growing number of people, particularly young people giving up on religion as a means for discovering truth and meaning and purpose in their lives. And we had no idea, actually, how many people would respond to our conversations here on the podcast uh, about the big questions that most people have about faith, religion, and life. And when I first pitched the idea of doing the podcast to Father Len, I only knew about the effect his homilies and talks about faith and religion and life had on me and fellow parishioners at Holy Apostles Catholic Church here in Boise, and and it was substantial. And my intention for the podcast really was to expose Father Len's extraordinary ability to teach, inspire, and change lives to people far and wide. And I'm happy to report that goal has actually begun to come true. The Wrestling With God show, amazingly, with no promotion other than, you know, what listeners do and sharing and a little mention in our parish bulletin, we have actually listeners in 49 states and 11 countries. And this response has really caused me to want to expand what we do and devote full-time to our mission, me devote full-time. So in addition to the regular conversations Father Len and I have on the Wrestling With God show, we've recorded hundreds of hours of Father Len's homilies and talks, and I want to publish those. This will obviously take more than just me doing the work. So I'm forming Wrestling With God Productions, a nonprofit company to bring this vision to life. And I'm hoping to raise money from our current listeners and and others who want to support our mission. So if that's something you'd like to do, I'd love to hear from you. You can just drop me an email at questions at wwgshow.com. That's questions at wwgshow.com. And, you know, we welcome your contributions, big and small. And thanks a lot in advance for anything you can do to help us. So, Father Lynn, let's uh, let's get into today's episode. I think we have an interesting one, because consciously or unconsciously, a lot of how we operate in this life, I think, has to do with whether we believe this life is all there is. You know, when we die, we die, that's it, we're done. But what if there's an afterlife, an eternal afterlife? And the life we're living right now is merely just a preparation or a path 
to eternal life. So, Father Len, I know something that inspired me. You've told me many times about your personal experiences as a priest with death and near-death experiences in this life. And these things have really convinced you, among other things, of course, that there is an afterlife, a life we should think about as we live this life. So, Father Len, how about we grapple with this notion of an afterlife And if this is a reality, how it should affect the way we live the life we're living right now. Well, I I love that. Now, I have had hundreds and hundreds of kind of these death stories that I find so inspiring and amazing. So I'd actually like to break this into two different podcasts. But the first one is just, this sounds kind of strange, dying as this great healing Dying as is, to me, great proof of an afterlife. The second podcast we could do about near-death experiences. But this one, just the experience of, of death itself. And the problem is, I think a lot of people who might be either anti-religious or whatever, I don't think they're really open to any evidence. In fact, just last week, I was in the hospital going to anoint somebody, but I was in the waiting room waiting And somebody was consoling another family who obviously was losing somebody. And he uses this typical stoic philosophy to try and help them. But the problem is it doesn't help. So the stoic philosophy, they're mourning. Somebody's in their family's dying and I'm eavesdropping because I like to eavesdrop. I think it's one of my gifts. (laughs) Uh, Do you like gossip and stuff too, I guess, Father Len? How is that part of it? Only if it's, you know, about like you or something. But (laughs) um, so this person is, this guy is trying to console somebody who's crying. And he uses the kind of stoic philosophy where he says, well, think about this. They weren't worried before they were born, right? There's no worry, no concern. They didn't have any opinion about that. And so it's kind of like the same way after you die, when they die, you know, there's nothing there. So there's nothing to worry about. And I remember, (laughs) wow, that is just so consoling. (laughs) I don't even think I've ever heard that exactly. Well, it's, it's a horrible application of stoic philosophy, but it doesn't really console the person who's dying. It wouldn't console me, I'll tell you. Don't worry. Your your loved one is dying, but they won't, you know, it's just oblivion. <laughs> and when the person was talking, I really did want to interrupt, but that would have been inappropriate. But anybody who's actually been there when somebody's died or several times, it sounds crazy. It's the opposite. It's incredibly healing and uplifting. It can be. And I'll I'll explain what I mean. When my great-grandmother died, this is in Montana, the whole family got together and they're, I think they're praying the rosary, I can't remember, but it's my mother who has to tell me that, but they pray, they call the priest, they anoint him, and suddenly before she dies, she wakes up and she holds out her hands and she says, Pa, and then died. Pa was her husband. You know, just an odd thing that, wow, the moment she died, she saw her husband. Or my own grandmother, before she died, she said the day before she died that she could see her sister, Jen, who had died years before. And then before she died, she kept repeating, everything's all right, Len's here, Len's here. And then 
when I was first ordained a priest, I was in Caldwell, and this teenage girl dies in Caldwell. And sounds kind of strange. They had about an, a year to live with her. When she went to the prom, they realized something was wrong because her dress wasn't fitting well. Then they have a year, but as she's dying, her mother's there and she's in some sort of coma. And then once again, suddenly this teenage girl wakes up and she says, mom, do you hear it? It's so beautiful. And she reached out her hand like she was grabbing somebody. And she said, they're here. Who is they're here? And the odd part is we Catholics believe that nobody dies alone moment you die, the dead are there to welcome you. Uh, and I'll get to that in a second. But I have forgotten, I've forgotten hundreds of stories of like this over 30 years of priesthood. One, and I just think it's kind of funny. One is this woman is dying. She had 10 brothers and sisters, huge family that uh, she grew up in. And she's dying and just her daughter is there. And once again, she wakes up and she turns to her daughter and she says, well, it's getting awful crowded in here. <laughs> you know, there's nobody there. And then she starts to talk about her deceased brothers and sisters. And then she says, who's that tall man with the fedora? And then she dies. Wow. Her, her daughter was going through family albums and her daughter sees a picture of the woman's grandfather, the, her mother's grandfather, who is a tall man with a fedora on. Sounds crazy, but you have hundreds of stories that the moment somebody dies, they see the dead. They're there to welcome them. When I was at Holy Apostles, I went to St. Luke's hospital because this guy was dying and I anointed him and his grandson was there. And when I anoint him, he starts to call out a name and he says, I don't know who that is. And I said, well, you know, when people get close to dying, they often see the dead. So he calls his mother and says, you know, who's so-and-so? And his mother says, oh, that's his grandfather. And I just love the story that, wow, I know this sounds kind of strange. I love those stories where just the grandfather or grandmother because it's like you're a child again, and they're there to welcome you. Or this Basque woman at Holy Apostles, before she died, same thing. She wakes up, and her last words before she dies is Amuma. Amuma means grandmother in Basque. But I like how, wow, they're, in some sense, a child again. And I really do believe that, wow, the dead were there. When I was at St. Mark's, there was a story about this, unfortunately, this kid who died, the week before he died, he told his mother that he could see an angel. I think that's profound. Or at St. Mark's, there's this guy who, great guy, he goes in for a serious surgery. I forget. No, he had a heart attack or stroke or something. I can't remember. But he's in ICU. And when he's in ICU in this coma, his sister dies. And the family agrees that it's stressful enough. We're not going to tell him that his sister dies. So he comes out of the coma, but they've agreed not to mention that his sister died. And when he comes out, he mentions, he says, oh, my sister died. And they said, well, how do you know that? And he says, oh, she came to me in a dream. This one, he's in a coma. And she tells him. 
which is absolutely stunning. When I was at Idaho Falls, this mother swears before the funeral, she tells me this story that her son appeared the day he died. In fact, he appeared, she looks at her uh, alarm clock, and he appeared to her at the same time that he died in the hospital. And she said, I think God allowed that just to let me know he's okay. Hmm. But you have all these stories of this thin veil between heaven and earth. Or this other woman from Holy Apostles, uh, she gets in a car accident outside of Grangerville, and she's thrown through the window of the car. And she says to me, she says, I think I died. And I said, why do you think you died? And she says, well, I, you know, thrown through the windshield and I was in terrible pain. And then all of a sudden the field turned white and all these people were walking towards me and I was out of pain. I was peace. And these people are coming towards me. And then I heard my mother scream and I turned to look at my mother and I'm back in my body and I'm in intense pain. But she says, I, I think I might've died there for a moment. Hmm. Um, and just because there's people coming or here at St. Pius in Coeur d'Alene, this woman died who she was very, very about. But I do love the fact that her last words before she died, was she said, uh, said, Jesus is coming. Or this other woman here at St. Pius, before she died, the day before she died, she said she had a husband who came to her in a dream and said, why are you taking so long? <laughs> and the next day, which I just think is kind of funny. That is funny. So she has this dream that her husband wants her to hurry up and die. And the next day she dies. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. Or <laughs> I was talking to somebody uh, last week who was saying, you know, they're, we're talking about a relative who died. And she came to the conclusion, says, I really think that, the dead came just to give a nudge, just a small nudge that it's time. And I said, I have today, after 30 years of priesthood, always before when somebody dies, there's always this nudge. Or just one more story, just a couple more stories, maybe. This guy from Holy Apostles, ex-military, he also has this dream. And he asked me, what the dream means. And the dream is all these guys from his military who he helped save when he was in the military comes to him in dream and they tell him that they're coming for him. Hmm. He was there for them and they'll be there for him. And so I mean, what do you think the dream means? I, you know, I'll be blunt with you, but I think it means you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think I don't mean to be cruel, but we as Catholics believe so profoundly in baptism that if the Holy Spirit runs through me and you and all those in heaven, that not even death is stronger than the bond of the Holy Spirit. God is stronger than death and they'll be there. So my whole point, wow. I think if you want one of the great proofs of God or evidence of God, I, I, I shouldn't say proof because I should say evidence, is really the death experience. That the dying process has its own healing that somehow couldn't be healed during our life. Death doesn't just have to ha 
be something that happens to you. You can achieve it. And so achieve it in the sense of um, we believe heaven is this great wedding feast. And in the gospel of John, John 14, Jesus gives this speech where he says, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If there are not, would I have said that I'll come back and take you to myself so that where I am, you may also be. But what a lot of people don't realize is that that's not Jesus' original words. That's a speech that Jesus is quoting that every groom would know. That's a wedding speech. And it's a, the groom, after the wedding, he goes away, builds a house, comes back with his entire family in this torchlight parade and gives a speech. And Jesus gives a speech at the Last Supper as this kind of promise of death. And if heaven is the great wedding reception, don't worry, he will come back and take you to himself. But the wedding speech is not just the groom, Christ, but it's also the saints that usher us to the great feast. So, you know, we, we celebrate this mystery that we're always united. So when somebody is dying and you give the last rites, after you give them the last rites, you have this litany of the saints where you call out to the saints to come and be with this person. And my experience is they really are there. So the dying process has all these nudges that there is an afterlife. And without evidence, that should change everything. There are no offense to idiot in the waiting room that's saying, well, you know, it's just oblivion, so there's nothing to worry about. Not only is it not consoling, I don't find it right. That's not according to my experience. There should be proof of oblivion. But instead, I have hundreds and hundreds of stories that what's on the other side is not oblivion. And if that's true, wouldn't that change completely how we live? Or even funerals. I have hundreds of stories of funerals where the dead give another nudge. I was at a funeral years and years ago this is all I remember, is that the person who died really loved dragonflies. And the most amazing thing happened at the graveside where a dragonfly comes and lands on the casket. Hmm. Well, you could chalk that up as being improbable. So, right, it's not proof, but it's certainly evidence for somebody who wants a sign. Or another woman, she wanted a sign because her husband was dying, and he says, you know, she says, you have to give me a sign. And this longer story, but water was his sign, like his water was just one of his symbols. So the day of the funeral, they're running late because I don't even know how this happens, but all the water in their house just went wild. Like the toilets overflowed, the sink overflowed, and like, okay, I got my sign. <laughs> um, but yeah, she asked for a sign. Another woman at Holy Apostles tells this story that he was dying. He had a really tough death. And she said, you know, you have to, you have to give me a sign when you die and you're having, you have to let me know everything's all right. And of course he was saying, you know, I, I don't really have any control over that. She says, no, no, you have to get this done. <laughs> so he says, I'll try and give you a sign. And there's two things about him. He liked Tic Tacs and he always had this phrase. I don't even remember like better than a bag of nickels. Uh, Tic Tacs like better than a bag of nickels? Well, no, no, sorry. He always loved Tic Tacs. But okay. he, then in addition to that, he also had this saying about a bag of nickels or something. Okay. Like that. Anyhow, we have the funeral and 
somehow in our pews at Holy Apostles, I don't know how this happened, but she is, she sits in the pew in the front and she looks in the seam of the upholstery and there's a tic-tac laying there. And that's certainly odd. You know, so, wow. And then after the funeral, she's going home. So she stops by this convenience store to pick up something she needs. And the guy apologizes because he says, I'm sorry, I don't have any dollar bills left. Do you mind if I give you a couple rolls of nickels? Of course, nickels was one of his signs. My only Mm. point being is that it's not proof, but it certainly nudges, nudges that we're not cut off or alone. And so there's something healing about the death process that you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss the sacred. And like I, it irritates me. Like years ago, when I was at Holy Apostles, this son, and he was an adult, his mother was dying. I went to go anoint her. And as I'm leaving, he wasn't in the room. He's in the hallway crying, lying in front of the elevators, crying. And I know it sounds strange. I was a little angry because really in the middle of the floor, you're lying, crying. You could be with your mother who hasn't died yet. She's dying. And you're missing this sacred time that you really have chosen uh, to make it all about you lying in the middle of the floor. In some ways, it's like the guy that it's opposite. Uh, just it's oblivion. Let's just not really care. Don't worry. It's oblivion. It, it's not consoling. It's a sort of strange denial. And the worst part is that you miss the sacred. And all these hints of uh, the dead showing up before you die, the kid who said he saw an angel, uh, all these are nudges that move you towards the sacred. And If it's true, it should make all the difference in your life. If all you have is oblivion, then yeah, it would make no difference. But if you have this hint that there's far more to life than just here and now, it would make all the difference. It would actually beg you to be more attentive to the sacred and the mystery in life. And and to maybe be a better person in life too. Well, yeah, if, if there is a hint that, for all those who love, what heaven is, is this great feast of love. Why wouldn't you want to be in that community? Why wouldn't you change your behavior now rather than lying in the middle of the floor crying in front of an elevator? Not that you shouldn't cry or mourn, but that was drama. That was not mourning. You know what What I hear you saying, Father Len, is that as a priest, you're around death and dying a lot. I mean, you're there for the final moments, you're there for the funeral and all that kind of stuff. And what you've observed over time is that all these people who are dying seem to be going somewhere or some somebody or something is coming to them like it isn't over. They're being united with people who have died before them the the thing and i haven't had any of that you know kind of experience that much the one experience i've had and it's it to me it's kind of similar in a way my dad who was a very angry person at the end of his life i mean he always was you know kind of a an ornery guy anyway and he was terribly angry because his wife died before he did and 
selfishly, you know, she did everything for him. And so, you know, when she's gone, then, you know, he has to do all this stuff he's never done in his life. And so he's just an angry guy. And in his last few days, he became this totally different person. Like he was experiencing something that he'd never experienced before. Like he was going somewhere uh, that he was going to be very happy with, that made him very peaceful and satisfied and present and loving. I mean, he said stuff to me that he never said before. And listening to you, I guess I would say that was kind of evidence that instead of being angry about his wife dying, my mom, and him dying, he was happy about where he apparently felt he was going. And you know, probably even had a vision of meeting my mom there, you know, and and other people in his life. And I mean, there was more to life than this horrible end that he was experiencing. I mean, that's 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 what I've, I kind of conjure up listening to you talk about this. I just feel like, yeah, I, I'm kind of lucky because I do get a front row seat on the dying process. And I mean, death is always kind of ugly in one sense, but it's also incredible evidence of beauty as well. Talk to doctors and nurses. There's something beautiful about it that there is evidence that there's far more to life than just this existence. In fact, immediately when I get done with this, I'm driving out to anoint somebody else who's dying. And my point being is that the idiot in the hospital who said all there is is oblivion and that's supposed to comfort somebody. I really did want to challenge him that in my experience, there's more than enough evidence that it's not oblivion that he's not trying to comfort them. He's trying to comfort himself that I don't have to change. I can remain just the way I am. But if there is proof of this great feast of love after death, why wouldn't I be far more attentive to love right here in this life? Well, it also makes me think that if there is ever an important event in people's lives, it would be witnessing or being around death. Because I think if you're, what you're really saying, if you're present, if you're listening, if you're paying attention, you're going to get this sense of the afterlife. You're going to you're 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 probably going to experience some sense of it yourself. Well, on that note, I shouldn't go there, but you know, now that I moved to Coeur d'Alene, I love Coeur d'Alene. The people, the parish <laughs> are really sweet. However, it's really this strange denial of death up here. So I've only been up here less than, you know, what, four months or five months or whatever, uh, less than six months. And we've had a couple funerals where the family have dropped off the ashes of the deceased parent and then drove off. They never attended the funeral. What? Yeah, I know. And I know it's so strange. Like that has happened a couple times already. They didn't attend the funeral. In fact, one, the, nobody showed up. The only one who showed up, and it was really beautiful, were the daily mass goers. And luckily, it was a couple hundred people at daily mass, or maybe 150. And they all, we well, all went out to the graveside, and it was really beautiful. But there's this denial of death 
that I'm just going to drop by the ashes. And it seems to be up here that well, we're just not, that's, that's religious stuff. And I have my own life. But you miss the beauty or even yesterday, like every day I anoint somebody. I anointed this woman who was dying. She was faithful Catholic. Her husband was not Catholic, but you know, he said, we've been together since we we're 19 years old and he's crying and we're praying and anointing her. But the odd part is the son was in the waiting room and he says, well, I don't want to interfere with any of that. So I'm going to go home. And I kind of thought your mother's dying and your solution is to go home, not be there with your father, not be there with your mother. And modern society, I don't think they want to accept the evidence of an afterlife. So they simply go home or say it's oblivion or I'll drop off the ashes. And to me, Wow, one of the great beauties and evidence of this great feast afterwards is the dying process. So it's not that there isn't evidence. There's just evidence. I'm not willing to look at the evidence. I'm not willing to experience any evidence. So yeah, you'd never know the litany of the saints. Here's another story. I just think this one's uh, end with this one because I'll be late. Um, <laughs> I have to leave. But this happened in, actually, I guess it'd be Weezer. But so this guy, he's a huge hunter. So he's like a serious hunter and he gets mules and they go off into Das Hinterland. And he's telling this story where he goes, but the mule bucks and throws him. And when he lands, he's broken his rib and it's punctured his lung. So, Wow he's going to die. And his friends, who's hunters, they check their phone and somehow they're in cell range. And so they call life flight at St. Al's hospital. And the guy asked for uh, his GPS location for life flight. And this is the funny part of it. All these guys are older guys and uh, they don't know how to locate their GPS on their phone. So <laughs> that the guy, isn't surprising. You know, the kid at at St. Al's shows tells them how to locate the GPS. So they pull it up on their phone, except the problem is none of them brought cheaters, you know, readers. So they um, can't they can't so read, they can't the, read the numbers. <laughs> so the guy said, Okay, here's how you take a picture of what's on your phone. Yeah. And send it to me. Yeah. Text it to me. (laughs) Then the guy looks at it. So he has a GPS. Life flight is on his way. So all that circus is going on. And the guy whose lung is filling up with uh, blood, they had had a son who had died years before. And suddenly his son appears to him. As all that circus is going on, his son is standing right there. And he asks them, do you, my son's here. Do you see him? He's right there. They don't see it, but he can see his son. And I think his son said something like, dad, it's going to be okay. The helicopter is going to get here. And even when he was loading in him in the helicopter, his son was there. And he's not the, the father. He's not, he's really kind of a true Idaho wilderness guy. He's a cowboyish. Like 
it's a great story of, wow, I guess there is an afterlife. He wasn't delusional. He wasn't on drugs. It's just one more story in a long line of hundreds of stories that go back thousands of years. That, wow, there is evidence that there is an afterlife. We're invited to this great party. Why not take life serious? So, Father Len, where do you want to go with this next episode? You said you wanted to do two episodes. Yeah, I want to do another one because I would like to do it on near-death experiences because I love those. And I think that's another proof of real reality is in the afterlife. This is just a foreshadowing. I like it. I like it. Well, Father Len, we'll let you get off to wherever you're going. You're usually running late, so uh, so you can make your apologies and whatever. Anyway, we always welcome your comments and questions here on the Wrestling With God show. It's easy to get those to us. If you've had some death or near-death experiences that you'd like to share with us that uh, give you a sense or some evidence that there is an afterlife, that'd be great. You just head over to our website, www.gshow.com. That's www.gshow.com. And near the top of the page, you'll see a questions button. And uh, when you do, you just click on it, and you'll find multiple ways to send stuff to us, email, text, uh, telephone, voicemail. And if you're enjoying the Wrestling With God show, please share your favorite episodes with your friends. I think that's how we've gotten to 38,000 downloads, people sharing the podcast. And subscribe, rate, and review the podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, That does give people, if you write a review, a sense of what we're about and what to expect. So we hope you'll join us next time as we continue our journey climbing the mountain of life, searching for truth, meaning, purpose in our lives, and knowledge of the afterlife. Hopefully we'll all start to recognize that and pay lots more attention to any near-death or death experiences we witness or are a part of. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Mm -hmm.